The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Sports Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericasports.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed in the following program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. The horses are at the gate. And they're off! Welcome to Winning Ponies with Ed Meyer. With the weekend coming up, this is the spot to be for news, handicapping, and spotlights featuring the winners behind horse racing today. Now, here's your host, Ed Meyer. Good evening and welcome to Winning Ponies. I'm your host, Ed Meyer, and we are here each and every Thursday, 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 Pacific, talking about the sport of kings, watching the Sport of Trotters right now at Meadowlands. Buggies, thoroughbreds, steeplechase, still love it. It's action, it's racing, and it's what it's meant to be. The Sport of Kings. January, in the books. And we are, glance in here, about 13 Saturdays away from the Derby. Now, if I got that one on a glance, that was a real glance now. I just looked down at the yearly calendar there. About 13 Saturdays away from Derby 136. Each weekend you can expect a prep or a pre-prep. Pre-prep. That's kind of a race to kind of get you ready for the big race. You know what I'm talking about. Pre-prep for the prep. That is a beautiful thing, and Winning Ponies is dialed in to make it all happen. Be sure to check out the stories, blogs, and the most player-friendly data out there to assist you in making your day a winning one. The sheets. The sheets are easy to use, and for the novice to the professional, it's something for you, something to assist you greatly in making your decisions with the predictions that you have. Easy to read icons. See, sometimes we can we can tend to forget, and sometimes we can, you know, we, we might forget that it's a three-year-old facing older. We might forget that they've been off 90 days or better. Easy to read icons. Makes the handicapping that much more handy. Speed ratings for this race and the last three. And they also have a turf rating to boot. Tiered level choices. You can see how the predictions go from the low to the high. Where they at them? They got them in tiers one, two, and three. Change of track condition tab. I love this one. Mother Nature Turns Nasty, which is going to be across the Midwest and Eastern portion of the United States, rain and or snow, or lots of both, and down south as well. Everybody's getting hammered. But you can change every track condition, most uh, sheets, 48 hours, 72 hours in advance. Not good. Not good, but not with winning ponies. You can change it all up. Get a look, winningponies.com. I think you're going to be pretty surprised, pretty happy with everything you see. What's happening tonight, we're going to have a recap of last week's action, which there is never never a loss of action in the world of racing. Special guest tonight is the king of steeplechase and flats, Hall of Fame trainer, Jonathan Shepard. Nice gentleman. Enjoyed chatting with him a few times. I think you will enjoy hearing him out. 
I really am looking forward to that. News from the world racing. There's plenty of it, and I'm going to lay it on you. Final furlong handicapping with yours truly. We're going to pick some winners out. We are going to pick some winners out, but hey, got a little, little something to throw at you here. Maybe if you weren't ready for this, I, yesterday I was chatting with Terry Wallace. Yep, Terry Wallace, the voice of Oakland Park. He was the announcer at Little River Downs once upon a time. He called in to speak with my compadre. He was out. I said, you have a big announcement to make to, uh, tomorrow. And that was yesterday. He said, sure do. And he said, I think it's going to happen. Here it is. Oak Lawn Park offers $5 million for Rachel and Zenyatta to race. Oak Lawn Park, President Charles Sellis said Thursday in his Arkansas track, will increase the purse of the April 3rd April Blossom to $5 million. If both Horse of the Year, Rachel Alexandra, and Breeders' Cup Classic winner Zenyatta start in the Grade 1 race at a morning news conference, Sella said that he's spoken with the owners of both Rachel Alexander, Jess Jackson, and Zenyatta, Jerry, and Ann Moss, and they both showed enthusiasm for bringing their stars to Oakland. Incredible. It's going to be extended to a mile and an eighth. The purse of the apple blossom normally is $500,000, and would revert to that level if either Rachel or Zenyatta do not start, but at $5 million, it would be the richest purse for a Philly mare race in North America and will match the Breeders' Cup Classic as the most lucrative for either sex. Incredible shooting there. My goodness. Way to step up Oakland Park. And just a little tidbit for you. For those people who said, uh, oh, Rachel may not be able to handle the dirt, go back in her PPs and see where she faced the dirt at. I believe it was called Oakland Park. And that's something for you to kind of chew on and be thinking about. I mean, Oakland Park steps up in a major way, all for racing entertainment. Kudos. Kudos. Love to hear Terry Wallace's dulcet tones bringing them down the lane. So that is the latest tidbit, hot bit of news came out today. Let's jump in and recap last week real quick, January 3rd. Excuse me, January 30th, race number three at Aqueduct. The correction stakes, winner number five, hold that prospect. Jorge Chavez in the iron, winning by seven and a half, alert at the break and ridden out down the lane, paying $3.60 to win for Gary Gullo. Fairgrounds, race number nine on January 30th, the Marie G. Krantz Memorial, mile and 16th on the dirt. Winner is the 11. Bubbler, Eddie Martin Jr. in the irons, winning by a dirty nose, hanging on with a hard drive, prevailing. 520 to win for Brett Calhoun. Then we go to Gulfstream, race number eight, the Sunshine Million Sprint. Six on the dirt, $200,000, winner number six. This one's for Phil Johnny V in the irons, winning by a dirty nose. We're just going to call it right to the wire that day, make the photographer really work overtime. Long duel edged his rival at the wire, paying $4.00. Dick Dutrow is the conditioner. Impressive indeed. Ninth race, Gulfstream. The Sunshine Millions distaff, a mile and eight on the dirt. Winner is the fourth, Sweet Repent. Manuel Cruz, I call him Manny Cruz in the irons. Winning by three and three parts of a length, drawing away and driving down the lane, paying 520 to win. 
Race number 10 at Gulfstream, the Sunshine Millions turf stake, a mile and an eighth on the turf. Winner number 11, Jeb Propulsion, Julian Le Peru. The Flying Frenchman scores by a sweet two links. Uncontested held sway paying eight beans. Pretty very nice. Really, really nice for eight beans for Julian Le Peru. For Marty Wilson, who just tortures them down in the Sunshine State. Santa Anita race number six, Sunshine Millions, Philly and Mare Sprint, 200000 up for grass, going six panels. Winner out of the 12-hole, Huisana, Rafael Bejarano, winning by a nose. Six wide into the lane, up in between horses, and just gets up, paying $15 for Mike Pipey. Race number seven, Santa Anita, the Sunshine Millions, Philly and Mare Turf, $300,000. Winner is the two, tight precision Joel Rosario in the irons, winning by a length and a half. Pulled rebid, three wide, and very, very game, making the the backers earn their and sweat their money out, paying four forty to win for Thomas Proctor. That was a pretty nice little little purse indeed. Santa Anita race number eight, Sunshine Millions Classic Stakes, mile and an eighth in the all weather, five hundred thousand dollars up for grabs. Winner is the nine bold chieftain Russell Bays in the irons. Russell Bays winning by a neck steadied at the eighth rally between paying twelve twenty to win for William Morey Jr. Russell Bays, what's he doing in Southern California? That man can ride. Don't discount that boy. He can flat out get it. Santa Anita race number eight, the Santa Monica handicap of grade one seven on the all weather. Winners the 11, Gabby's Golden Gal, Martin Garcia. Wins by a length and a quarter. I saw this race because there's this fellow that called me and says, I love Gabby's Golden Gal. And boy, did he ever. Rebid three wide, lead and held sway, paying 25 10.80 to play. So I hope his wife didn't know he had a winner like that. Bullet Bob Baffert was the conditioner. Got to like that. You know what? I'm the 11-hole. Martin Garcia, Bullet Bob you don't think he had a purpose there? Wow. You know, that's one thing about the all-weather. It's flat. It's flat as a pancake. The 11 hole at times, the 12 hole at times, the 13, the 14, doesn't matter. It's flat. It's like running on a on the expressway. No big banking turns. Turfway Park. Race number 11, the WBN stakes, $50,000. One mile on the all-weather track in Florence, Kentucky. Winner goes to the seven, Kara's Kitten, Tommy Pompel. In the irons by winning by two and a half lengths. Clear with a pace held. Held them safe at bay. Paying thirteen eighty to win for Mike Maker and Ken and Sarah Ramsey. These are names we hear all the time. And that was what was happening last week. Hope you didn't miss out. And if you did, you are now caught up. And you're now caught up to what we're going to be doing tonight as well. As I said, we are going to be having on as our special guest one, Mr. Jonathan Shepard, chatted with him a few times, really enjoyed it. Looking forward to having him on Winnie Ponies. We're honored and pleased to have him on. Time taken out of his schedule to join us, possibly on lightness about his career. He's also on the cover of North American Trainer Magazine, or you can get it online at www.trainermagazine.com. See him there with his cap and jacket and all smiles. I think it was a good sign. He was all smiles. Got a little, little story story here. The NHC, the final standings, won by Brian Troop last week, half a million dollars. Canadian Vader, Brian Troop, 
proved he wasn't cheap speed. What that means, a 61-year-old accountant from Barrie, Ontario, had a record-setting day one and held off. He didn't do much on day two. But there was an article that was written, an article that was written that really just kind of got my goat. Normally what they used to do is they'd do a day one prize for the top three finishers, say like 5,000, 3,000, 1,000, and day two. 5,000, 3,000, 1,000. And then they accumulate your totals, and then they roll it up into a big burrito, and then they pay down. Wow. It looks like they pay down to about the top 25, 30 people. Half a million dollars. He was mad because he didn't win the 5,000. He was hoping that they uh, actually um, actually had the day prize. I understand, uh, you know, he was a little disgusted. He uh, had an all-time record. His winning score, 266, was incredible on the first day and he shattered the record of 199 $190. So I mean that was one heck of a day. And then I believe that uh, a little humility came to him, a little humble pie came his way and he just holds on and he scores out with $266. So he so he starts out and and he's setting them on fire day 1. Day two, he just kind of falls away, but he's a half million dollars richer. Congratulations to Brian Troop. The NHC puts on a great contest out in Vegas. And just think, it is time that we start looking at 2011 already. Because myself, I've even looked at a couple couple places I'm going to toss my hat in the ring. See if I can get lucky enough. Done it once before. Maybe I can get lucky enough. Who knows? Maybe I'll be the next Brian Troop. Or somebody's about to bring up the rear of the pack. But either which way, I've had about 10 friends that went out and played this year, and they all had a great time no matter where they finished because the Daily Race Informed the NHC puts on a great, great handicapping show and is at the Red Rock Casino. Well, it is time to head out to our first break. And when we return, we're going to be talking with our special guest of the week, Hall of Fame trainer, Mr. Jonathan Shepard. And you only catch it here on Winning Ponies. Passing out hundred dollar bills and it kills and it thrills like the horns on my Silverado grill. And I buy the bar, double round the crown, and everybody's getting down in this town. Your internet flagship station for sports. Voice America Sports. Can't make it to the track? You can still get all the action with WinningPonies.com, the home of Horse Stradamus, handicapper extraordinaire with the most accurate predictions on thoroughbreds, quarters, and Arabian horses at most American and Canadian tracks. Whether it be the Triple Crown, Breeders' Cup, Travers, Haskell, or your daily races, don't worry. Let WinningPonies.com make some money for you. Do you need directions to solid financial future? If so, the Money Answer Show with Jordan Goodman will provide you with a roadmap to making smart money decisions in every area of your personal finances. Join Jordan every Monday at 12 p.m. Pacific Standard Time, 3 p.m. Eastern, for the Money Answer Show on the Voice America Business Channel. Learn how and where to get the best deals on mortgages, cars, and insurance. Find out the best ways to save for college and retirement. Get out of debt, improve your credit rating, and save on your taxes. The Money Answer Show with Jordan Goodman will provide you with great tips on investment opportunities in real estate, stocks, annuities, and other investment vehicles. That's the Money Answers Show with Jordan Goodman on the Voice America Business Channel every Monday at 12 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. Think of the world 50 years ago. 
now think of this same world and how it'll be 50 years from now. Did you know that if the world's population continues to grow at its current rate, our children and grandchildren will only have 25% of the resources per capita that our parents and grandparents had? We must preserve the foundation of a quality standard of living. That foundation starts with Go Green Radio. Join your host, Jill Buck, for Go Green Radio every Friday at noon Eastern, 9 a.m. Pacific on Voice America. school to the pros we we cover everything let your voice be heard voice america sports tuned in to Winning Ponies with your host, Ed Meyer. Got a tip for us? Need a tip from us? If you want to talk with Ed or his guests, the phone lines are now open toll-free at 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or you can send an email to ed at winningponies.com. Now back to Winning Ponies with Ed Meyer. And welcome back to Winning Ponies. I'm Ed Meyer, and thank you. For taking time to join us each and every Thursday, 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 Pacific, as we talk about what I love, what you love, and what many, 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 many people love. This is our second segment. This is where we have our special guest of the week, and this week is no different. And this week, Winnie Ponies is honored and pleased to have on one trainer extraordinaire, Mr. Jonathan Shepard. Good evening, Jonathan. How are you? Hi, Ed. It's nice to be with you. Well, thank you for taking time out of your busy schedule and uh, and for taking time to join us. And hopefully it's uh, going to be a whole lot of fun just uh, catting caught up on your life and talking horses with you. Well, I'm, I'm ready when you are. <laughs> All right. Mr. Shepard, uh, you know, I-, I wanted to know, how does a lad from Asheville, England, now, now, did I pronounce that correctly? Yes, that's right, Asheville. Asheville, England, begin his career in racing. I know it's kind of hard to kick it, kick started up there, but how did you begin as a young lad? Well, briefly, my father was a racing official in England, so I kind of grew up uh, following him to the track on school vacations and weekends, and uh, my brother and I had ponies when we were little and rode and local horse shows and whatnot, and um, one thing sort of led to another, and then I rode in a few amateur steeplechase races. Um, When I got to be 17, 18 years old, and when I was 20, I came to this country and uh, was assistant trainer for two different people, uh, rode in steeplechases first as an amateur and then as a professional for three or four years, and then decided that um, that wasn't the most secure way in the world to make a living, and I, I was mad and had a baby. <laughs> My wife had a baby expecting, and I thought, well, it's time to do something a little bit more responsible, and that's when I started training, which was actually 1966. A little safer, I would say. At times, oh, well, it's a I little thought. safer. Yeah. But you know, as as a brief career in the saddle, you made a, you met up with a man who would impact your life greatly as Hall of Fame trainer, Mr. Burley Cox. Tell us a little bit about your relationship with Mr. Cox. Well, I was very lucky when I first came here. Um, the first job I had was working with some people who had um, basically fox hunting horses down in Maryland, and I explained that I really wanted to be with race horses and they were nice enough to introduce me to a number of trainers in the area. Um, uh, a couple of them are actually in the Hall of Fame now, Sidney Waters, uh, Mikey Smithwick. 
uh, Downey Bonsall. Um, they were all sort of in that area at that time. Uh, nothing really worked, and eventually I went up to Pennsylvania and met with Burley Cox, and uh, he was nice enough to offer me a job. I stayed with him for about three years, pretty much almost as an extended member of his family. I stayed in the house with, with his wife and children, and they were very kind to me, took me everywhere with them, and taught me uh, really a lot of what I know now. Well, and I don't think we could fill that full of volume of books there for exactly what you know now. In 1990, as I mentioned before, you inducted into the Hall of Fame, uh, leading steeplechase trainer in the U.S. with wins, purse money, championships, and most Eclipse awards. W- what's your magic touch for this success? Oh, probably good horses and good owners. <laughs> um, I think my background in England probably helps a little bit because um, I, I think that's sort of a bigger sport over there a little bit. Uh, here it's kind of a, a little bit of a niche sport and, and not very many people involved. So I was able to see um, probably a little bit wider perspective uh, than most people here have an opportunity to. And I also spent um, two or three months in France um, right before I came out here, uh, which was helpful too because I think, you know, you pick up a little bit here and a little bit there and it all kind of comes together. And I will say that when I finally took out my trainer's license and started on my own, I, I thought I knew a lot more than I did. <laughs> it's not quite as simple as it might seem. And I know I made a lot of mistakes getting going, but I had some very patient owners, and you know, one thing led to another. I would say it did. And, you know, you alluded to uh, about how successful relationships, and for a trainer, successful relationships depend on, you know, how well you, you connect with the right people in your career. And you connect with one of the best uh, that's actually uh, made your career and a, a wonderful relationship. Uh, tell us about how you came to be acquainted with Mr. George Strawbridge. Well, actually, um, you know, going back to Burley Cox again, it was Mr. and Mrs. Cox that first introduced me to George. Um, he's two or three years older than me, and he came to Camden, South Carolina one winter with some amateur steeplechase horses. Um, I was based there with the Coxes for the winter. And um, we met at dinner one night, and the next morning I thanked Mr. Cox for the nice dinner and asked him, you know, I said there were a lot of nice people, and, and who was that guy I don't think I'd met before, George Strawbridge. And he said, well, um, I don't know him well, he said, but he's... A, and I seems like a nice young fellow, and I think he's got a bit of money, and he's the type of person you ought to get to know because he, he might possibly have horses, you know, to race at the track at some point. And uh, sure enough, that was my first introduction to him. And I guess, you know, a relationship like that is, like most relationships, you kind of feel your way, and, and sometimes you find out you're on the same wavelength, and sometimes you're not, and you kind of go your separate ways. And he and I have got together through a second then, and he's, of course, expanded to a large stable with horses with several different trainers in this country and in France and England also. And um, he's been a pleasure to work with, and I probably owe him really most of the success that I've had. For those of you out there listening, you will see the name Augustine Stables right across from Mr. Shepard's name, so as the names I'm kind of throwing out there as he's kind of painting the picture of how he actually began his career, 
Jonathan, I have to ask you, after a skyrocketing career in steeplechase, uh, which for me is very interesting, and, and it's, uh, it's a different facet of racing, and I always find it, uh, I love to watch them race in New York. I always think it's really, really neat, and, and occasionally they, uh, well, not occasionally, they have uh, their, their yearly uh, jump down at Keeneland, and, and I really have enjoyed watching that. Why the desire to move to the flats? Well, actually, I've always trained some horses on the flat pretty much from the beginning, um, just not perhaps very big name horses, but when I first started out training, I realized that it's going to be pretty tough to make enough money to support a wife and a growing family of the number of steeplechase races that are in this country, and I needed to branch out a little bit. And I started almost from the from year one, running the odd horse here and there on the flat, and I suppose that the luckiest break really was with George Strawberry, because he sort of got, started to get intrigued with the flat racing side of things, too. And um, that gave me a chance to kind of show what I could do, and then I picked up more owners as years went by. And um, I suppose, you know, the first big-name horse that I had was, what, about 25 years ago now, was a very good two-year-old called Stormcat. So, you know, I have... I have had decent horses on the flat, but perhaps just not, um, you know, quite the quality that I've been lucky enough to have at the moment. That was actually my next question coming out. I know many of our listeners, uh, they, they see your name, and as well as myself, when I see it in the racing form, I, I see it in the program, and, uh, and especially if, if, the, if the race is on the weeds, the turf, the sod, whatever you want to call it, I always kind of give you the, uh, the double look there, no matter who you have in, because I know you bring them well-conditioned there. But little do people know that, you know, Stormcat actually was uh, part, of your, part of your stable. Four wins from eight starts. Uh, did you see this at, at any part in his career to, uh, to see him developing into, uh, you know, actually what he's become, and especially one of the best sires of his generation? Well, truthfully, I hadn't had enough exposure to that type of horse to really base a firm opinion on, but he, I've always been a little bit of a student of breeding, and... Um, I did think that he had a lot of the necessary ingredients. Um, you never know. When a, you know, only a small percentage of good racehorses when they go to start actually become good stallions. But he had something that I think is really important, that he had very strong determination and fire, and he was sort of a hot-blooded colt. But um, I think those are the primary ingredients that you know a horse needs to, to pass on um, the ability, I mean, when I first came here, there was top stallion was Nasrullah, who went on to become the star of Boldrill and a lot of others. And, and he was known to be, you know, little short of a rogue, very hot-blooded but extremely talented. And, um, of course, he passed on a lot of those characteristics, and I think Stormcat's probably known a little bit for the same thing. And I should mention my wife, um, who was working for me at the time, she galloped Stormcat a lot. And she very much believed in him, and she was quite instrumental in uh, talking Mr. Young into keeping him as a stallion. At one time, he was thinking trying to sell him. Uh, eventually, the couple of deals he was working on fell through, and he decided to build a stallion barn at Overbrook Farm there and um, stand him himself, and of course, the rest is history. 
and what a what a financial uh, success that was. Uh, Kathy must have had the, uh, the, uh, the the wonderful touch there, actually, because I believe now, from what I what I've read, what I've understood, that uh, Mr. Young actually, after racing, would sell his runners. Correct? Yes, at that time he did. Mm-hmm. And and I don't know how your wife magically turned uh, turned cat thief you know to actually convincing mr young with yourself uh, you know at overbrook farm to actually hold on but my goodness the the uh, the stallion fees that have actually been accrued over the years are, are just it's amazing if you look back on it yes it's just amazing i mean that is amazing kudos to her because uh, i'm well, sure it was no easy <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, I guess the uh, it is true behind uh, behind every good man is a woman, and behind every every great stable is is a is a great is a great uh, supplying cast who actually uh, supplies you with some great uh, some great knowledge, some great uh, interesting uh, backup to uh, to what you're actually doing. And it sounds to me like you had a great partner there, and uh, and you said she galloped uh, and had, had the opportunity. It just seems like yesterday, Stormcat. Wins the Young American Stakes at Meadowlands. I believe Chris McCarron rode You're right, uh, right, up at right, Meadowlands. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep, quite true. And it just seems like it was yesterday because I, I remember remember seeing that race, Mr. Shepard. This year at Santa Anita on Breeders' Cup weekend, you came loaded for bear. You had Clowley's Night forever together in informed decision. Describe the feeling you had going into this weekend. Um, going into it, you know, you're always a little apprehensive. Um, you feel a little bit of stress naturally. You you don't want to make a fool of yourself on a on a world stage like that. And you hope you've done the right thing with your horses. Um, you know, of course, the Breeders' Cup is at the end of kind of a long season, and you hope there's enough gas left in the tank. And you've um, you're kind of putting your reputation and expertise on the line a little bit. Um, and you never know what to expect in the race. You, you, even if you've done your homework and you think your horses are doing fine, they're still you know, you don't know what how the other horses are going to run. You don't know what kind of a trip you're going to get, what kind of a ride you're going to get. There's so many variables. I mean, you might get a thunderstorm, you know, the morning of the race and change the the, the racing surface, so many things like that. But it all came together, and I think um, it was just a wonderful day. I've got great memories, and uh, all three horses ran wonderful races. And not to be greedy, but with just a dash of luck, we could possibly lose <laughs> one, one or two of the others. But it was great to win with informed decision and very proud of the fact that she got the Eclipse Award this year for champion female sprinter. It was beautiful. It was a beautiful uh, weekend for you. Cloudy's name. Now, uh, I don't have it uh, right down here, but Cloudy's name, I believe, was written by Rosemary Homeister, and right. Julian Lepreau had the other two mounts, correct? That's right. Mm-hmm. And is, is Julian your, if, if you had a, a go-to person as far as a rider, is Julian Lepreau your go-to guy? I would say right at the moment, yes. He seems to really suit our horses and he seems to have a uh, kind of a natural feel for understanding how I like them to be ridden. Um, you know, you can talk to a rider until they're blue in the face, and if you're trying to tell them to ride in a style that's not um, that doesn't come naturally to them, they probably aren't going to. You know, I'm sure they're going to try for you, but then it's not really going to work that well. Most of my horses are horses that are taught to relax in the beginning of their works and their races and to come on in the finish, and Julian just seems to have a natural way of doing it, even if they aren't necessarily coming from way back. In the case of informed decisions, she usually sits in kind of a stalking position, but she's still running relaxed, and he's saving something for the finish. 
he just looks so light and he just floats in the saddle and it almost looks like he's communicating through his body and his hands are, are just magical when, when we actually see him on, uh, on screen and or in person. I, I, I catch him more at Keeneland and or Churchill. You know, I, I get to see him actually ply his trade in Kentucky. And, uh, you know, for that, you know, I, I actually, we've had him on in the past as a, as a special guest and, uh, he was, uh, Quite, quite an engaging lad, uh, and you know, I think he's uh, well. He was a uh, Eclipse Award winning rider uh, this uh, past year, and I think that we're only going to hear bigger, bigger, and bigger, better things from uh, Julian Lepru. I think he's just getting started with. Uh, I agree. I, I think he's only going to get better. You know, the more experience he has in the, the, the riding in these big races, um, he's, he's certainly got a lot of talent, and I, I'm very proud of him. Mm, I many people are, and it's been a pleasure watching Playa's trade. You have a training center in Union, Unionville, Pennsylvania. Is this your uh, laboratory for turning out champions? Um, I would say just about every good horse I've ever had to spend some time on my farm there. Certainly, yes. What, what type of farm is it? Is it a flat? Is it a, a large facility? Is it wooded? Um, a little picture it of it. It is a sort of rolling uh, countryside with nice big pastures and woods. Um, it's about 350 acres, part of which I own and part of which I rent from my first wife's family. <laughs> and um, luckily, I didn't get, when she left, I was taken under the wing of my, at that time, former mother-in-law a little bit. She's always been very supportive. Good. And uh, continued renting the stables there. And it's been a, that's been a great relationship, too. Well, that's um, great. It's, yeah, it's, it's beautiful. Um, kind of rolling countryside. Um, we're not far from the Amish country. Um, you know, the horse and buggy people up in Lancaster, Pennsylvania. And it's kind of similar land to that. It's very fertile, uh, lots of open space, and uh, it's a great place to train horses. It sounds to be a, a place where a horse can actually get away from the track and the hustle and bustle, the sounds, the noises, the, the constant commotion where they could actually get out there and just relax and just become a horse again. Exactly. That, that's, 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 that's it in a nutshell. And, you know, w with the other places other than Unionville, Pennsylvania, there's other places you stable during the year. Where do you call home at different points of the year? Um, well... Um, Camden, South Carolina has a very nice training center that I rent a barn in year-round. Um, winter, spring, and fall, we have a, probably anywhere from 20 to 30 horses there. In the middle of the summer, maybe just a few, to pretty much just to keep my hand in and keep a couple of key employees going that live there. But um, that's a very good training facility. I've been going there. I actually started there when I was working for Valley Cox. I mentioned earlier that's where I um, first met George Strawbridge, so you know I've been going there off and on for a great many years, and I know I know it well, and I'm familiar with it, and it seems to suit my style of training. Um, in the winter, we take a little group to Gulfstream Park, which is where I'm speaking to you from now. Um, in the summer, we take a little group to Saratoga for the meet, six weeks as it is now, and um, I always keep stores at Delaware Park in the summer because that's only uh, half an hour from my house, you know, the farm, so to speak across the state line into Delaware, and um, that's a very nice facility. People have always been good to me there, and it's a nice place to race, and a lot of my owners live around there. It sounds like, as a, as a horseman, the uh, golf stream in the winter, Saratoga, and I know you do a, a little spot down at uh, Keeneland uh, in the spring and fall, do you not? 
Yeah, certainly I wouldn't want to forget Keenan because the spring and fall are the kind of almost the highlights of our season. Really, my my owners and I really love Keenan, and the horses always seem to thrive and do well there. And um, no, I'm very fortunate to be able to have a you know make my living in just nice places at such nice times of the year. Wonderful places, and in fact, I I, I hail from Kentucky. I'm about 75 miles north of Keeneland. I look forward to meeting you in person uh, during an April and an October meet, uh, introducing myself to you in person. I have to ask you a question, Jonathan. Can we look forward to seeing you slow down your operation, or is it business as usual for you? Uh, I plan to keep going pretty much the way I have been for the foreseeable future, as long as um, I've got the, I guess I've been a little spoiled, having pretty nice horses, and perhaps if, if I didn't have quite the same stock, I might think about cutting back, but as long as I've got some uh, some nice quality horses, which I hope will continue, because we've got some had some very nice fillies um, that you know are now broodmares, and one obviously looks forward to training their offspring. So no, I would I would plan on keeping going pretty much at the same level for a number of years yet. Full steam ahead. Love to hear it because I love to see your silks actually make it out on the track. And, uh, and I, every, as I said, every time I see your name in the, uh, the daily racing form with the uh, on, a, on a turf race, I, I have to say that I have to take a double uh, a double look on it no matter what. Uh, with an accomplished career such as yours, is there anything that you would like to add to your resume? Uh, certainly, yes. Um, well, one, there's always room for improvement. Um, two... Um, I'm getting quite close to a thousand wins for steeplechasing, which is, uh, you know, n- no one's ever been anywhere close to that before. I think I'm about 970 or something. Um, and I'd love to have a contender in, in one or more of the Triple Crown races. Wow. So those are my kind of immediate objectives. And <laughs> <laughs> a good two-year-old in the barn? Um, I do have a couple. I did nominate two horses to the Triple Crown races. They're a little bit long shots, but um, you live in hope in this game. We'll see. <laughs> yeah, I once heard uh, from a gentleman uh, trainer, he said, uh, you won't find a man standing on a bridge that has a good two-year-old in the barn. That's <laughs> he right. said, because Hope lives eternal. Well, Mr. Shepard, it's been, a, it's been an honor and a pleasure to speak with you. And on behalf of Winning Ponies, we'd like to thank you for taking time out of your busy schedule and your family life to be with us this evening. Uh, good luck to you, and I know that I'm going to be seeing you in the Winter Circle very soon, sir. Well, I look forward to that. Nice talking with you. Yes, sir. Thank you, Mr. Shepard. you Jonathan Shepard, gentleman trainer, and I sure hope you caught it because uh, I think you learned quite a bit about his uh, – his tactics, what makes him go, and what makes Augustine Stables the powerhouse that they are. Well, it is time to roll out to a break. When we return, we're going to be talking about news around from the world of racing here on Winning Ponies. The fans now have a voice to speak their mind. No holds barred. They need a business ass and then move on. I just just think that the coach made a mistake. All crazy. (laughs) NFL, MLB, NBA, NHL. Speak up. Speak up. Or forever hold your mouth. We ain't playing around here. Voice America Sports. What? 
can't make it to the track? You can still get all the action with winningponies.com, the home of Horstradamus, handicapper extraordinaire with the most accurate predictions on thoroughbreds, quarters, and Arabian horses at most American and Canadian tracks. Whether it be the Triple Crown, Breeders' Cup, Travers, Haskell, or your daily races, don't worry. Let winningponies.com make some money for you. The latest business information is made simple with the Voice America Business Network. The professionals in the business world bring you live talk radio shows featuring an array of business topics, strategies for building wealth, sales and marketing, stock trading, investing, and business technology. Voice America business hosts are professionals in their fields and bring to the airwaves weekly business discussions that offer up-to-date information, advice, and education. The Voice America Business Network, the bottom line in business talk. Spin it with Chuck Foreman has a spin on so much that's going on. It will be hard to fit it all into the promo. We'll talk about the weekend games, what to look forward to, hot topics in the news. Spin it old school, which gives a back-in-the-day approach from Chuck. A no-spin zone where Chuck gives an unbiased opinion and lets you do the same. Chuck will be taking us around town and around the world with news, happenings, and more. It's football, news, and happenings. Tune in for Spin It with Chuck Foreman. Tuesdays at 2 p.m. Eastern, 11 a.m. Pacific, on the Voice America Sports Channel. The opening kickoff is a beauty. It's a fly ball deep right field. Back goes O'Neal. He's a tough shot. Got it. With 2.8 seconds left to left. I don't care where they put him. This one is out of here. From high school to the pros, we, we cover everything. Let your voice be heard. Voice America Sports. tuned in to Winning Ponies with your host, Ed Meyer. Got a tip for us? Need a tip from us? If you want to talk with Ed or his guests, the phone lines are now open toll-free at 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or you can send an email to ed at winningponies.com. Now back to Winning Ponies with Ed Meyer. And welcome back once again to Winning Ponies. I'm Ed Meyer. Sure hope you got the last segment. Jonathan Shepard, Hall of Fame trainer. Steeplechase Flats, trainer of Stormcat. Little did many know. Actually, I stumped two people this week as I was doing a little bit of homework, a little bit of background for Mr. Shepard. Asked a few people, I said, do you know who the trainer of Stormcat was? And both of them replied very quickly because it was for Overbrook Farms. They said, well, that was D. Wayne Lucas. I said, no, that's Mr. Jonathan Shepard. So, what a pleasure to have on, English Gent, fair fellow, and quite the trainer. Really enjoyed that. whole lot of fun. All right, it's time to jump into some news here. First, I want to read you a little, little passage here from an opinion from Andy Beyer from Daily Racing Forum. Hylia, Florida, the old girl hasn't lost her looks. According to Mr. Beyer, people who remember the glory days of Hylia surely feel a sense of trepidation as they walk into the racetrack this winter. Out of business since 2001, Hialeah reopened in November as a quarter horse track instead of being a showcase for the greatest thoroughbreds in the United States. Hialeah offers dashes for cheap horses that are known for their sprinting ability but generate little interest in minuscule betting totals. A visitor might feel the way he would as if he were about to meet an old flame after decades had passed. All of your beauties, memories about to be tarnished. Yet when you step inside Hialeah's story clubhouse, you can immediately see and remember why this was once the greatest racetrack on earth. 
good friend of mine, Pete Aiello, was down there. He was doing marketing, public relations, announced the River Downs. I believe he called a day, opening day of Hialeah. Andy Byer, usually pretty good turn of pen by Mr. Byer. Speaking about a good man online, well, let's go out to the Cincinnati kid and hear what he's got to say because I know he is loaded with winners. Kid, are you there? Hey, I'm here, Eddie. What's good? Hi, it's just you, my friend. Did you catch any part of Mr. Shepard? Oh, yes, I did. Such a classy guy. You always seem to get the best folks for your show every week. I'll tell you what, I get luckier and luckier and luckier. And, uh, you know, I always I always say it and I say, oh, he's, he's just full of, uh, full of baloney. You know, I say, you know, I haven't had a bad guy or a bad gal yet. Right. And really, it's the truth because they've all been just, just wonderful to chat with. You know, the, the best part, I'm working at my desk today. I get a call. It's Jonathan Shepard, and he just was calling to let me know that he'll be calling in this evening. I mean, just out of the blue, and Hall of Fame trainer, and I think he's got a little more, you know, on his plate than just calling in for, you know, an Internet show for a little bit. But you know what? It right. really just made my day. It was kind of cool, you know? He's such a class act. Just the little things sometimes mean so much. Oh, they really do, and it seems like uh, paying attention to details has paid off in spades for him. Would I have stumped you if I would asked you who the trainer of Stormcat was? Uh, yes, sir, you would have, because I had no clue. <laughs> you know, I, 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 you know, I stumped a good friend of ours, Mr. Johnny Englehart, and and he goes back with bloodlines and memory, and he's been around the game a few years. I'm not going to say how long, but uh, he's over 21, and he's he's watched the game for a few uh, seasons. And I stumped him as well. And, you know, I would have thought D. Wayne Lucas, especially, you know, for Mr. Young. Uh, right. Tables. So that, that, that would have been my dollar bet guess. Kid, don't let me hold you up any further because I know there's winners that are going to roll off of your tongue. Yeah, I think I got three for you, and I'm actually going to go a little international for you. Looking all at, right. Looking at Friday's card, we're talking about Maidon over in Dubai, of all places. I'm looking at the sixth race, the uh, grade three Cape Verde at a flat mile on the turf. I'm going to the outside here with the 11 Synergy. Olivier Pellier picks up the mouth on this one. She won a grade three in France back in November. Has had a little time off since then. I think she's going to be ready to fire. When she's got it all together, she really runs well. She's a stakes winner in Spain as well as France. Pellier seems to fit with this runner quite nicely. They're 5-1 to one on the morning line. Get to your ADW, your online site, or whoever you play with, and get down on this one, race six at Maidon on Friday morning. You know, when you when you talk about Maidon, I mean, everything that I've read, I mean, it's hard to believe that this place doesn't exist in, in some George Jetson uh, planet uh, or, or somewhere out in space. It's just amazing, isn't it? Right. I've seen a couple race cars. They started with last week, I believe. And the place is just magnificent. I mean, well, for $2 billion, you would expect it to be a glamorous place, but words do not describe it. You actually have to watch racing from it. Just from the computer, it, it just takes your breath away. It, it's it's hard to believe that uh, that actually they, they've reached in, especially in Dubai. You know, they've had some financial troubles uh, right. years of late. But, you know, I'm glad to see they have the flower in the desert there, and uh, it's gonna be, uh, going to be quite a pleasure. I believe it's going to be on March 27th. That they're going to be having their big, their big carnival, uh, right? Big spring carnival. So it's going to be here before we know it, kid. Okay, right. one in the books. Let's go to the kids' pick number two. Okay, we're going to turn to Saturday, race nine at Gulfstream, the Gulfstream Park Turf Handicap at a mile and an eighth on the grass. This is a Grade One. I went with the four. Never on Sunday here. This one ships 
in from Newmarket, England, where he was 10th behind twice over, who I believe was either 3rd or 4th behind Zenyatta in the Classic. He's also run behind Goldakova, who won the Breeders' Cup mile. Gets in the Patrick Biancone barn. Joe Bravo picks up the mouth. I haven't seen these two team up much, but I think they may be a potent combination. Some nice works at, over the turf at Gulfstream. Also one work over the all-weather at Santa Anita. Let's look for this one to fire. He's 2-1 to one on the morning line. I expect maybe a little lower, but he should fire and should be good in your pick threes and pick fours. I like that. we got to find maximum value where we get it. Right. That is two in the books, kid. We're looking for the hat trick. And the 10th race, the Don Handicap at Gulfstream on Saturday. I couldn't go against Quality Road. I've never been a real big fan of this runner, but I think he's just the best of the older horses out here right now. He's got speed to boot. I don't think anybody's going to go with him. Johnny Velasquez and Todd Fletcher are a very potent combination. He's 7-5 to five on the morning line. I guess they wrap him up in your pick threes and pick fours to get some nice value here. Let's look for him to run off with the Don. Well, we've got one, two, three from the kid, a very reputable handicapper, published handicapper. You would have seen him on screen, and you hear him on the air. Kid, I have to ask your opinion on something. In the yeah. wake of the boycott, uh, Michael Gill calling and quits. Is that the best thing for racing or and or not? It may be. I don't really want to comment on it since I don't have all the all the facts and the stories from both sides, but it could be a very good thing for racing. could be a very, very good thing for racing. I'll just say that much. You know, it kind of shook the trees under Michael Gill, said he intends to sell off all of his thoroughbred holdings. He's just worn down by the recent controversy involving the breakdowns of his horse at Penn National. Actually, the jockeys, for for those that are really not caught up in this, uh, the jockeys basically were, were boycotting any any of the races where a, a Gill horse was actually uh, was actually entered in, and they weren't even going to ride much right. less ride one of his horses, you know, for the many people that, you know, don't read as much as we do, kid. I mean, because in and out, we, we, we love to read about this each and every day. But, you know, this guy, he won an Eclipse Award. Yeah. So, I mean, really you know, a lot. He, and, and he's won a lot of money. And you right. know what? Maybe it's time just to hang it up. It might be because he hung it up once before and came back. And now when you have the, all, the whole jockey colony get together and say, we're not riding if this guy has a horse in the race, it really speaks volumes. Oh, I agree. How, you know, it's my favorite saying, how can everybody be wrong? Right. It, it just seems like when they, uh, when they wrote to the, uh, the Pennsylvania Racing Commission, you know, the letters and everything that you're able to pick up on the Pollock Report, the Thoroughbred Times, the Blood Horse, anything on the AP Wire, it, it just seemed like uh, the, the wagons have been circled and the message had been sent. Uh, you know what, Mr. Gill, it, it just seemed like, you know, his time had come and gone, but right. I, th- I think, uh, in, in, in due respect to what you had to say, without knowing all the facts and you know, with all the minuscule pieces of the puzzle that you know you weren't ready to to formulate a, you know an opinion, which which I respect greatly because many people they just uh, they flail off at the tongue. But I've read about everything out there. I'm sure you have as well. But right. you know, I, I guess just for keeping peace and harmony, and, and and if you're gaining the confidence of riders, I, I think you know if. Maybe just a prolonged break, and you can discuss this down the road. Right. And, you know, maybe maybe down the road, you know, he, he may make a return. We, we once thought he was out after, after an Eclipse Award, and he's actually made a, made a turnaround. But uh, by no means, you know, my, it might be perching the man. It's just, uh, it's just a, the time. It's the climate. You know, take a little break. Take a little breather. 
right. Ed, on that note there, I'm going to say thank you for your, your picks, and I'm going to take a breather from uh, bending your ear, and, uh, and thanks again, my friend, and uh, thanks for chiming in. Look forward to your call each and every week, buddy. Oh, it's always a pleasure to call in. Always fun. All right. Say hello to Granny and them, kid, and I'll be hello. talking to you soon. All right. You take care, Eddie. All right, thanks so much. Cincinnati Kid, reputable handicapper, online, on air, you name it, this guy's got it. Other news out there, Jamie Terrio, or they call him The Riot. That's the way you spell Terrio. It looks like The Riot picks up his 2000th career win. Congratulations, Jamie Terrio. Very nice indeed. Synthetic versus Dirt, the debate winding down. And this is from the Saratogian. Debater's Synthetic versus Dirt is virtually done with in New York. As the state's chief racing regular said Thursday in August 2008, a state task force hosted a major symposium about this. And here's what the quote is right now from John Sabini. I don't see this happening any time in New York, if at all, said Racing and Wagering Board Chairman John Sabini. Naira has expressed a dislike for synthetic tracks. Finger Lakes doesn't have one. There you go. That's what New York has to say about synthetic ovals. Brunetti says Hialeah needs legislative support 24 hours before the conclusion of a 40-day quarter horse meet. They need some help. John Brunetti is turning around Hialeah. The Jewel of the South is back in and back in action. And we already spoke about Mr. Gill. Maybe uh, maybe a little breather won't be too bad. Maybe a little breather won't be uh, bad at all. Let's do some speed handicapping here. we got three minutes till close. Let's go to the third race at Aqueduct on Saturday, and let's go to number two, 85 and a 50. Jorge Chavez and Gary Contessa teaming up here. The two-hole wins by 17 and a quarter lengths last time out. you got to love that. The third at Aqueduct, the world away, 85 and a 50. I say gets away by many. Ninth race at Gulfstream, a mile and an eighth on the turf, Gulfstream Park turf, handicap a grade one. I like Court Vision here, Robbie Alvarado and Dick Dutro teaming up together. Made a middle move last time out in the Breeders' Cup mile. Coming out, Dutro does incredibly well with fresh horses. Been off since November 7th, and I see Court Vision and Robbie Alvarado holding court on Saturday. Tenth race at Gulfstream, a mile and eighth at Don, handicap a grade one. You heard the kid talking about Quality Road. I agree, kid. I love Quality Road, but but I've loved him ever since he's actually set foot on the track. Johnny Velasquez and Todd Pletcher, even after the Breeders' Cup debacle where he balked and didn't want to go in the gate, been off for a while, comes back and scores by two and three parts of a length victory in the House Hope, a nice grade three. The trainer yields 25% repeat winners. That's Todd Pletcher when I say the trainer. So I like, I concur with the kid. Quality road in the Don Handicap in the 10th of Gulfstream. Santa Anita race number three, and it's, it's a nice little uh, Leroy Santamu Handicap. It's very nice and neat. I love Battle of Hastings, Tyler Bays here for Jeff Mullins, and they're going to stretch out a little bit here, and I like Mullins' training ability. I think he fits California, and I think he fits Battle of Hastings very well. Fifth race to Santa Anita, the Wishing Well. I go to Passar Silbiano. David Flores for James Cassidy dropping from a grade three into the $60,000 stakes ranks here. And I see David Flores getting a win second time off of the shelf here. Three for four in the money at Santa Anita. Bit of a horse for a course. Eighth race to Santa Anita, the Robert B. Lewis, a nice grade two. I like Tiz Croman here. Bob Baffert and Garrett Gomez teaming up. A victory in the Stutka. 
three wide and accelerated away. I love that. I like Tiz Chrome in the RB Lewis, the eighth race at Santa Anita this Saturday. Race number nine, the Strube, a grade two event, $200,000 up for grabs. And I like different kind of great. Jose Valdivia and Dan Hendricks, they team up two for two at Santa Anita with wins. Rounding out Tampa Bay, the 10th race on Saturday, the Super $75,000 up for grabs going seven furlongs. And I like Musket Man, the Chalk 9-5, to five, Daniel Centeno and Derek Ryan teaming up their abilities. They only win 50% this year so far. And Daniel Centeno, this guy's as tough as a nickel steak. Well, time flies when you're talking about thoroughbred racing, steeplechasers, and getting to chat with legends of the game. Winning Ponies would like to thank Mr. Jonathan Shepard for joining us this evening and the Cincinnati Kids, James Williams, for his insight, input, and hot selections for the weekend, and you for taking time to tune in each and every Thursday with us. So until next week, may all of your winners be many and your photos be few. Good luck and good night, everyone. Thanks for listening to Winning Ponies with Ed Meyer. We know the information from today's show will help you at the next post. Keep listening for more next Thursday at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, 5 Pacific, on the Voice America Sports Network. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Sports Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericasports.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.